Petrangelo and Eichel play catch out high. Right wing shot, save, rebound, score! Stevenson, power play goals in consecutive games. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Pass goes to Marciusil, behind and for Eichel. The left sidewall, up top Petrangelo, to the right, Theodore shoots, he scores! 41 seconds to go. Theodore scores his second of the period. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Officially on the clock in nine seconds. That's when my fantasy football league starts. And we have uh, one hour to go on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, what a way to uh, slide into this thing off of hour number one and joined by Gary Lawless with us, who had that uh, conversation with Mark Stone earlier today and bringing everybody up to date and check out the uh, the piece on VegasGoldenKnights.com. Not sure when it's going to be posted, whether it's uh, right now. I haven't refreshed in a couple of seconds because I was doing something else on Twitter. Uh, but uh, check it out uh, in the next uh, little bit as Gary has that discussion with Mark Stone. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, and Chris Chapman here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, I put a poll up. Would you rather mm-hmm. play for the most popular team in a league or that league's villain. What would you guys rather do? Because there, you think about it in hockey, like Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. or the New York Rangers, Chicago Blackhawks, uh, those most popular teams. Uh, or uh, do you go uh, the the teams that have been the villains along the way, the Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, or uh, right now, a lot of people are saying uh, Vegas. They're, they're the NHL villains, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I want to play for the villain all day long because uh, there's a couple of things that happen when you are playing for the villain. Usually people don't like you, especially in like a league setting, because you're good, right? Uh, you, you don't become hated. You don't become a team that a lot of people are frustrated by if you're pedestrian. It usually means that you have done some good things. You've done a lot of winning um, at, at key times. The other aspect of that too is... I think there's something powerful about going out there and just shutting people up. And I think that that's going to be that common trend that that should be prevalent with the Golden Knights this year. Going back to the conversation we had with Gary Lawless, the idea of hearing all summer about how you missed the playoffs, hearing all summer about how no one expects you to be back to where you were just a couple of seasons ago, going from Goliath to David – I think there's something so powerful in, okay, we're going to lean into it. We are going to play it up, and we are going to absolutely surprise everybody by being the villain, but being the villain because we're good. I kind of always have gravitated towards the villain. Like when I was a kid, I I used to like the University of Miami football because not only did they really win a lot of games, a lot of championships, but... They had they're sw- cocky. Well, they had swagger. Yeah, you know they 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 had they had the the machismo. So to pull a term from wrestling, they're also all professionals. But, but, well, not at the time. I mean, no, that, I, no, they were. They were all beginning paid. I, I I rooted for UNLV basketball because they were they were the bad guys. Even in even in the Rocky movie, I rooted for Clubber Lang to beat Rocky in Rocky Three. Like like I don't know how you could could not love Clubber Lang. He he had. The, the 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 trash talk down he was he was bad he was he was angry he had the swagger i like i like the villain because usually the villain is more fun 
The villain always cooler. loses in movies. At the no. at the end of the day, he does. But they're yeah. fun. But to... I'm just talking the league. Would you uh, movies and and professional no, sports but, but are two totally different things. There, there, the there's a reason. In movies. There's a reason why UNLV basketball in the '90s was was a villain. It was because they were winning, and they 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 did it with with style points. They were they were cocky. They were just. They, there were no apologies. They didn't care who you were. They were just gonna, gonna blow you out. I rooted for the Detroit Pistons. They won. They won championships. I didn't want to see Michael Jordan win. I, I wanted huge, to see the Pistons. I win. was a huge Bad Boys fan. Yeah, of, I mean they they were awesome. Pistons team. They were so fun to watch. I mean just just and and if you were gonna beat them, they were gonna beat you up. So you're a villain guy. If oh, you're playing one hundred percent. Absolutely. You're signing on. Yes. I, I think you could make an argument either way, and and sell me on that. And be from the heart. And I'd have to think about it. But which team would it be more fun to play for? I think the villain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's zero debate about that. <laughs> Those guys it, have a lot more fun. people rocking your bus and <laughs> upset with you, and you just go, well, even like, do a brace. And, and from the sounds of it, what was your description of a villain, Wallace? A villain? Yeah, you're, uh, you're, they're just cooler. No, but yeah, you were saying people don't like you, and you've had. Well, a lot I of mean, success. yeah, there's, there's, there's jealousy. There's, yeah. there's anger and hatred spewed your way all the time, and and you get to go out there and live it. So like, I feel you like to, you get to live it up. I feel like I've been a villain my whole life. Sure, because people I'd have been yelling at me yeah, for a long yeah. time. You know, it's funny you mentioned the bus thing because in in the Unrivaled, they showed they talked to the to to the Avalanche and how they needed a police escort from the hotel to Joe Louis Arena because there were threats. (laughs) They had they had they had bomb sniffing dogs around the team. I mean, that's villainous. Like, I mean, that may not be necessarily fun having bomb sniffing dogs around your coach, but still, it's 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 like. They kind of embraced it a little bit, and 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 I mean, they won two Stanley Cups out of it. So certainly, you know, I think being the villain is a lot more fun. Now, Vancouver was a villain in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, they were. That didn't look like a lot of fun. No, that was the exception oh. to the villain. Well, depends depends what I, side of that I, you're I, on, though. It was a, it was a lot of fun for people who were rooting against them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's so it's so funny because like. You look at that Boston Bruins team, like like they weren't uh, they weren't uh, the the how do I put this? They weren't like the the hero journey team by any stretch. But because Vancouver was so over the top ridiculous, uh, you're right. It, it it probably sucked to lose in that regard. But I, I think you look at that Vancouver Canucks team, what they were able to do that year. Like they were better than everybody else, and they knew it. Yeah, but they weren't very likable. Like even in Canada, they weren't yeah, very likable. Who cares they about like Canada hasn't won a Stanley Cup since 1993, and in 2011, uh-huh. there was a small yeah. pocket in the lower mainland of BC that wanted the Canucks to win, and the rest of the country was like, "Screw those guys. We don't want that." Well, that, that okay, but that that entire concept is is so wonky to me. It doesn't make any sense. Like if you are wonky, in Canada, that's a good word too. Wonky. Yeah, it is a good word. Um, you're my inspiration for wonky. Uh, <laughs> listen, 
I I don't understand this. Well, now they're Canada's team because they're the only team remaining. Like, I'm sorry if you're in Montreal and Toronto's the okay. Let me let me backtrack here. If you're in Toronto <laughs> and the the only team left yeah. is Vancouver or or Winnipeg, like you're not all of a sudden a Winnipeg Jets fan because you haven't won a championship since '93. That's ridiculous. Uh, it, it trust me, it happens. Well, when you when you are so no, hated, I, I think that that's that overblown. When you're so hated, you have fans in both Toronto and Montreal rooting for the Bruins. You when, must when you, really, you really turn, be hated. When, when you turn a Boston Bruins team with Milan Lucic into the hero, like that, that to me is in and of itself just how far gone the Vancouver Canucks were, and it was phenomenal. I, I'm having a lot of trouble with this. I, I, I'm, I'm working, you guys. I'm trying here, but... I'm, I'm I'm having a, trouble, a lot of trouble focusing because I'm doing this fantasy football league draft as I'm on mm-hmm. the air with this, and I just with my third pick I took somebody for the flex position, like that seems to to show at me like I'm not paying enough attention. So if I slip away just for a little bit, Wallace, mm-hmm. you got to help yep. me out, okay? Because this is the this is a <laughs> a, a, a real uh, difficult position that I've been put in. Uh, but so far, well, I got Taylor, yeah. And uh, and Jones, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you, you didn't don't like go Jones? Josh Allen. I wanted to, but apparently he went before that. But I got I got three running backs uh, out of the gate. I'm gonna have to take a quarterback at some point. Uh, I'm going. I'm and you know what I'm thinking about is Lamar Jackson. We're gonna hook up with uh, with Brian McCormack from the Henderson Silver Knights in just a little bit. Uh, he's also in the same fantasy football league draft, and mm-hmm. he is uh, probably. Uh, on the clock right now, so he's uh, he's making uh, his decisions as we go. But uh, the the Henderson Silver Knights uh, will have their training camp right after the Vegas School of the Knights. Uh, you'll be able to see a, a lot of uh, the players that are coming together in the rookie tournament uh, that uh, will start uh, in just uh, just a few days uh, in, inside of ten days. So that's fun. We've got those three rookie league games. Uh, coming up, mm-hmm. uh, the rookie yep. uh, tournament uh, will be held in San Jose this year. So that's going to kick off our, our hockey schedule on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Yeah, and and you know we've we've got hockey in in, a, in just about a week's time, and, and that's going to be the big thing for me. Is as we were talking about yesterday, uh, I cannot wait to watch a game, a, a, a game I haven't seen before in real time in front of my eyes. Um, and you know those those rookie showcase games are, are really kind of your first taste of what some guys have been able to do over the summer, where you know where they are in terms of their development, then uh, it gives us a good insight into what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's welcome him in. Uh, here is Brian McCormick. It's time to head down to the farm with the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, Brian McCormick. I, I take it that was a farm reference with the moving. <laughs> I, I I apologize, Brian. I hadn't heard that yet. <sighs> if if you are at all uh, put out by that, we will make a change to it. Well, I was going to say I missed you boys, but I've never been introduced to that. So I, I thought I was being called a cow, and I've gotten similar hints from my wife. So uh, if that's a down the farm reference, I'm all good with it. If I am now being referred to as a steer, well, I have to work on my personal self-image. No, of course it's a farm. It's it's the farm report with Brian McCormick. Oh, okay. Chapman. Yeah, there are so many other animals you could have yeah. gone with. I should have come to the farm expert. I don't know what I was thinking. Not coming to you. <laughs> I, I, I used to play. I used to play on a junior team when I was a teenager with Keith Kincaid. 
who I know you talked about his goalie mask on the show yesterday. Uh, and I was the stay-at-home defenseman in front of him, and one time he pulled me aside and said, Brian, you're a better door than a window. So, oh, uh, get out of the way. <laughs> I've, been, I've been being called big for a long time, and if this is the subtlest jab I'll get, that's good. Hey, uh, how are you doing in the draft so far? Because I'm I'm struggling. Did you see who I who I took with my third pick, a, f- a player in the flex position? Well, so you have the first overall pick, and you yeah. use the entire two-minute clock to do it. Yeah. So I, I just thought, there's Darren. He's setting the tone. Well, you know, he's, I, he's I, in charge, and he has to make sure we all know it. I told the commissioner, said, you host this thing while I'm on the air. I'm going to make this thing last until Saturday. <laughs> I'm going to drag this thing out. You you want to play hardball? I, I'm I'm a snot nosed guy who holds yeah, a grudge, and I will bring it back. So that's I'll that's tell what, you what this is. This is my third fantasy football draft in about five days, uh, picking from a variety of different slots. And all three of my rosters are looking pretty darn similar, which means for some reason, no matter where I'm picking, the guys I want are always available, which I should take the hint that that means I'm not picking the right guys, but at least I'll have uh, I'll only have to watch the same three or four games every single weekend to know how I'm doing. Wow. Uh, I'm on the clock. I'm going to take do, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, will, I would go Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> All right. Or, or actually, you know what? If I really want to help you, go with Joe Flacco. Go <laughs> way off the board. never see it coming. <laughs> Big one this weekend against the Ravens. Uh, I'm on the clock. So now I'm going with uh, Cooks. There we are. I just did uh, back-to-back picks. Now we can get on to the uh, Henderson Silver Knights uh, side of things. Hey, uh, you, did, uh, you did development camp this summer. And you called some of those on, on the live stream. I was watching from <clears throat> Prince Edward Island. You and Ashley Weiss uh, were, were outstanding. Uh, last year, because so much attention has been in the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the injury trouble, last year was a very challenging year for, for Henderson as well. I, I wonder where everybody is trying to get back to normal from a total organizational front. Yeah, you know, I think, Darren, last year, they, there were a couple... Yeah, every team's going to get dinged up a little bit during the offseason. You you know, you anticipate that, or during the season, rather. Um, but but most of the impact of the roster last year, with the exception of a couple of guys, uh, was the, the call-up to the VGK. So those guys got valuable experience. Those guys got NHL games. Even a couple of guys who maybe at the start of the year didn't necessarily think that they would be high enough on the depth chart to get that opportunity. Uh, you know, a guy like Zach Hayes, who had a great rookie year two years ago, was solid last year and got a taste of NHL hockey. So, again, while the injury front was a negative overall, of course, for the VGK, uh, you know, you, you look for silver linings. There are a lot of guys who got NHL experience that's only going to help them grow and move forward. Uh, this year, I mean, as, as far as I know, the guys I've kept in touch with, everyone's been, uh, you know, feel, feeling good and skating and, and getting themselves ready for the season because. Uh, you know, we've said uh, organization-wide, it's been uh, the longest off-season ever. Uh, that includes the uh, the HSK guys too, who had a, a two-game playoff series against Colorado before they headed off into the summer. So uh, it's been maximum recovery time, maximum regroup time, and I think that's why you know, looking at developing camp, they had a lot of young guys, and including some HSK guys like Caden Korzak, like Connor Corker, and you know, not, not only is there a lot of guys who are. Uh, and 100% strength and 100% rest, um, but also, I, I think, an eagerness to get back at it again. Brian McCormick with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, you you bring up Caden Korzak in development camp, and to me, when when what struck me most about that week was just how much better 
Caden Korzak was than, than really the field. He, he, he looked like a, a man among boys, and, you know, that's a, a strong performance for him, but in terms of kind of going into the rookie games and, and camp right now for the Golden Knights, like, what are some of the things that you're, you're looking for from Caden Korzak to, to kind of take what he did in development camp and move it forward as, as he continues to try to push to make the Golden Knights? Yeah, you know, well, first of all, I just realized I looked down, I was on the clock, Darren, and you didn't say a thing, so you're trying to rope-a-dope <laughs> me out of missing draft picks here. I'm on to you. Uh, to your question, Ryan, I'm sorry. You know, you know, I think that the great thing for Caden is, and he's so highly thought of, but you know, last year was his rookie year. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that because he had a couple of cups of coffee in the, the pandemic 2021 season coming back and forth uh, between the AHL and, and Kelowna, but you know, last year was really his first full professional campaign, and I think for any player, with the exception of your global superstars, nobody's fantastic, unbelievable, lighting up the charts every single night, right? You look for stretches of great, and then stretches of steady, solid, dependable. If that's the low end of the spectrum, especially for a young defenseman, that how was he tonight? Dependable, you know, he, you know, did his job. That's a pretty good variance from from okay to great. I mean, last year, I think Korzak was steady all year long, but at the end of the year, especially, I'd say around the time of, of April when they moved into the, the Dollar Loan Center, you really started to notice him looking like an adult. And I think that's the jump. A, a guy who looks like he's even more so growing into his body, putting on good weight, uh, and, and kind of dictating the, the pace of play and the flow of, of play up the ice. Uh, and, and there was a lot more command from Caden. So, you know, you get to development camp, and he looks a little bit like a, a man amongst boys. Well, it's because he is. You know, he's got a little bit of time under his belt. Um, but I think we're, we're seeing a lot more conviction and confidence from Caden Korzak uh, and the kind, of, uh, the kind of outlook that, you know, he expects to be a go-to player. If it's in Henderson, great. If, if he's going to make a push in camp, uh, to give uh, the Golden Knights management something to think about, that's all the wealth, you know, too. But he's, he's someone who's, I think, very comfortable with what his role is in the organization, what his expectations of what he's to become in the organization are. Uh, and he's a guy, I think, who, who knows he's on schedule. So, you know, last year he started the year steady, had a, an injury early on that he had to work through. But by the end of the year, he was a guy taking command, and that's exactly what they wanted to see uh, from him by the end of his uh, true rookie season. Has what he's projected to be, changed at all you know that's such a good question and it's hard to know because you know if, if you look at the the silver knights last year and this comes with movement up and down too you know part of the role that you play in a minor league setting is what your team needs from you you know there, there may be guys who put up 25 goals and that's great but if they were on another team that's staffed differently stocked differently well you don't need that person to be driving offense so for example you know, Daniil Miramanov had such uh, an offensive role to play last year, and he's always going to have an offensive role to play. He's an offensive player. But if he was a player spending more time with the VGK, uh, Korzak's going to be a great, steady uh, top-four defenseman. He's going to have a great uh, penalty kill presence. Do you want more offense from him? Well, if it's asked of him, then fine. Uh, I, don't think the, I don't think the role has changed. Uh, I, I think he's still growing up to, to kind of dictate that for himself. But you know you're going to get steady shutdown minutes. You know you're going to get good two-way play. Uh, and I think I'll be interested to see this year what kind of offense he might be able to add as well. Not 10-goal offense per se, although if he does it, then great. But again, with that confidence and that ability to jump in, 
you know, there's still uh, time for him to add tools to the toolkit. And I don't think for a second, not that you want to read into one game too much, but he played one NHL game, looked comfortable, looked steady. And when you get through that unscathed, and when it kind of leads to a trajectory of a, a strong second half of the season, you know, it gives you a little bit of fuel to, to continue uh, adding to the fire. Who'd you take with your panic pick? Am I up again? <sighs> Are you not paying attention to this at all? The Lord is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got 30 seconds. Hang on. Keep talking to me. You're you're listening to a live look-in to the (laughs) PR and Communication and Content Department Fantasy Football League draft that's taking place uh, throughout the Las Vegas Valley today. You you, want to get a, a real peek behind the curtain here? The, uh, the the cell reception where my desk is at uh, at the arena isn't the best. <laughs> so I stepped outside to make sure I had a, a clear signal for you fellas. So I am wandering around the parking lot aimlessly with a laptop in one hand and the phone in the other. Meanwhile, putting together a surefire sixth-place fantasy team, I think I'm doing pretty darn good. Would that ever be a great <laughs> picture? Like uh, You guys heard of this app, Be Real, where at some point during a day, you take a picture of whatever I just you're heard doing. About that this yeah, morning, it's, yeah. It, it's actually pretty no. good. Uh, no. Three quarters of their users are are in our department because we're all doing the same thing. We'd learn it on the bus trip. Uh, seeing Brian McCormick in the middle of the parking lot with a laptop and a phone uh, trying to balance this stuff would be outstanding. I look like a soccer dad trying to join a meeting on Zoom while his son's having practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not awful visual. I've I've hung out with soccer dads. They're um, they're 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 intense. Hey, um, the uh, the players that got the look last year, and some of them got a real long look, and to the point where they used up uh, rookie eligibility, Calder eligibility, which is just a way of saying that they spent a lot of time up. Are we looking at anybody making that? permanent next step or is it kind of starting over because the new coach you know probably to uh, a little bit of an extent uh, of course the new coaching staff is going to have their their input but you know a lot of the scouting is the same of course management is the same and, and you know i'm sure bruce cassie is going to be relying on on their eyes for a lot of the uh the reports and the first impressions before he sees these guys for himself uh, up close and personal but you know, I, I think for a lot of the guys that uh, that had long looks like that, and I think you're probably chiefly talking about the likes of Jake LeCision and, and Jonas Rombjerg, you know, there's a reason why they got those long looks. It's not only that they played well, but I think it's also because what they were on the ice is exactly what they were supposed to be. Boy, does it make everyone's job easier when someone's scouting report is exactly what they are when you get your hands on them. Uh, and, and, you know, when I would hear hockey ops personnel talking about a guy like Jake LeCision, it was, you know, fundamentally sound and responsible, sure, but it was also, he's always where he's supposed to be. He's always doing what he's supposed to be doing. So not only is it, is it dependable, but you don't even worry about it. You can almost move on to, to teaching other elements. So I think those guys are going to get a, a good look uh, because of, you know, where the roster stands, because they had really good auditions last year, and because before last year, you thought you knew what they were going to be as bottom six players. In those long auditions, they proved to be exactly what you thought they were going to be, and their young players only getting better. So now you go into this season, again, Bruce Cassidy is going to, you know, look at tape and film and rely on the people around him who've seen these guys day in, day out. But you can pretty reliably tell him, hey, here's what they are, here's what they're going to be, and we can kind of guarantee you that you're going to get exactly what we're, what we're telling you. 
So I, I think those are guys whose first impressions have been made. They've proven that they can keep up. They're only going to get better and more confident. Uh, and there's a you can you can lean on the expectation of what they're going to provide for you before they get there. Now in training camp, if it doesn't live up to that, then you adjust to that. But I think that's a comforting notion for for young players, for guys who are on that bubble ready to make the jump full time, that they've proven to you that that they can handle it and that they they can handle the details at an NHL level. You, kind of a similar question uh, along the lines of Logan Thompson going into this training camp with an opportunity to uh, not just play in the NHL but but be the guy coming out of out of training camp. So how how do you kind of view the situation surrounding Logan Thompson going into this one and how do you think he's approaching it from a mindset perspective? Yeah, I mean, I would expect that Logan Thompson is, is seeing this as uh, as an opportunity. You know, he's he's definitely being put in a uh, position where he can go into training camp and put his best foot forward. He's another guy. If you want to talk about auditions, audition probably isn't even the right word. He he was the guy who was trying to to win the important games down the stretch last season in the spring, and he was fantastic while trying. Uh, so you know, a, a guy who. For Logan, you know, it's it's not a new storyline, but he's been such a a self-made man, if you think about it. He went to Canadian University, then he went to the ECHL. He's climbed every rung of the ladder, and it's been, uh, you know, almost, you can almost say a, a late bloomer, and that's, that's a little unfair to him, too. But the accolades he got at the AHL, you know, he, he fought for opportunities, and then when he got those opportunities, he performed at a league-leading level, and you almost want to give him more challenges over and over again to see him rise to the next occasion. So that's kind of what this is for him, I think. It's his opportunity to rise to the next occasion. And one thing that Logan's done such a good job of in that same vein is when there's been opportunities presented to him over the last four years, five years, he has seized them over and over again. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to approach training camp with that level of focus uh, and that expectation that, you know, at least for, for the start of the season, for this training camp window, uh, you know, there's a job to win, and uh, and that goaltending situation will evolve as uh, the season goes on and bodies get healthy, and who's playing well is who will get the net, I'm sure. But uh, certainly he, he comes into training camp with a, uh, a more elevated purpose probably than any training camp he's attended before. I will mention he is waiver-exempt, which means that he can be sent to the American Hockey League without the risk of losing him uh, mm-hmm. off, off waivers. And I, I mentioned that because sometimes you do have to do that roster dance. Uh, the Dallas Stars did it last year. Jake Ottinger, yep. star, started out in the American Hockey League last year because they had to do that roster dance uh, in and around, and he ended up uh, stopping the 64 or whatever in, in Game 7 and, and leaving everybody with uh, with the, oh, it's the, he's the next great goaltender in, in the National Hockey League. So uh, the, the, sometimes you'll, you'll see roster moves just based on that. So that's one area where you For might sure. see Logan, uh, and I'm not saying it is, if he's the best goaltender, he'll be up. But, uh, but there is um, something to keep an eye on there. And if there's something there too, Darren, you know, that'll be a, if it's a, it's a paper move, a roster move, that'll be something where, you know, whatever transaction that is, Logan's going to know why, you know, so it's uh, certainly, I think Logan's put himself in a good position, but absolutely, when you're trying to figure out, especially with the unique circumstances of the goaltending situation with injuries going into the year, uh, they'll have every tool at their disposal without question. You sound very nervous about your team that you're picking here in this fantasy football league draft. 
I've I've looked down five times and seen that the clock was on thirty seconds. It's actually amazing that I keep looking down right when it's halfway through my pick. It's like this internal clock. <laughs> um, what's your team name? Uh, your bye week. See that people that pick names <laughs> where where all of a sudden it's the schedule and it's your bye week, and I have to ask people at in our league who's who's your bye week. That drives me nuts. With with that, people like you and I like you, but that you drives try me. To. <laughs> but uh, seriously, I shouldn't have to search out to see who I'm playing. I think the fact that he does that and it forces you to do it that scores him more mm. points in mine and Ryan's book. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful stuff, Brian. Well that, done. That. My, yeah, my real hope is that someone like you, Darren, is going to see my bye week or, or your bye mm. week on the schedule and say, "Oh, good, I'm off this week," and then you'll just go back ah. to bed and your lineup. <laughs> That's. That's logical. I give you credit for that strategy. Is it the same name in all your leagues, though? No, no. Only in this league am I a self-deprecating super genius. Uh, <laughs> my name in the other league? That's a great question. What is my name in the other league? Uh, most of the other leagues, I realize five minutes before the draft starts that I'm not in the dra- that I haven't entered, actually joined the league. So it's a, a mad scramble. So probably Brian M. or something like that. Uh, that's uh, why I, I love them because uh, every now and then I can take money off them, uh, and you got to keep those people close to you in in life. Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, our first chance to talk uh, this year on the air. Thanks for doing this; appreciate it. Good luck in both uh, your hockey season and your FFL team. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to rookie camp coming up. It's uh... We're off to the races finally. Right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. There's Brian McCormick, uh, he, and you know what? If it, if it's me. I'm sweating like crazy out there. So you know, you know McCormick is for sure. Like what thinking of him with a laptop and a phone to his ear trying to do live mm-hmm. radio and pick a fantasy football league team in the parking lot uh of a rink. He's like he he lost probably 4 or 5 pounds. Boy, he must really like Chapman and I just to come on the show, he, go through all of that. I yeah. guarantee, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a lot to like, especially with that sensational intro. Can yeah, you play that again? We, we don't hey, we don't have to. You like have to talk what? about that? No, it, it's Chapman. It's time to head down to the farm with the voice of the <laughs> Henderson Silver Knights, Brian McCormack. It's got good good old bluegrass music. It's it's fantastic. I didn't even chicken notice the banjo. Yeah. Literally yeah. any other animal, Chapman. What's wrong with the cow? Cows are cool. They have four stomachs, right? What kind of cow is it? I don't know. How many kind of cows are there? Oh, there's probably quite a few. <laughs> That's my I don't know. <laughs> uh, we've got one-timers news and notes from around the National Hockey Lots. League. A big signing that is going to affect a team inside the Western Conference and a rival of the Vegas Golden Knights when we continue, if you can stomach it, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Oh, here's one. We're making a little bit of headway, influencing people all around the world. This is news and notes uh, from around the National Hockey beep, League beep, with beep, our beep, one beep, tires. Beep, yeah. Beep. Uh, but if you go to NHL.com, say right now, you check on the uh, happenings on the right hand side, that list of things. It's uh, 
an article about Mark Stone done by NHL.com, which quotes Kelly McCrimmon, mm. who told the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Tuesday. Nice. Yeah. Look at Just us. Saying that's why you're listening. Because we influence, we break news. Uh, Tim Slutzla signed an eight-year contract with the Ottawa Senators today. The latest uh-huh. to sign a long-term contract with the Ottawa Senators. This is one of those ones where uh, it's it's interesting. He's a great player. I get why you want to lock him up. But he's played a year and a half. And he's got another year left on his deal. Do you really need to go eight years? Now, again, cornerstone talent with your team. Is he a center? Is he a winger? I, I, I still don't know. Uh, he's he's uh, been more productive in the way. But, but, did you have to go eight years? And why that's a question. It's not a question for Ottawa, necessarily. Because they've uh-huh. got cap room. They can, they can make these decisions. Where, yep. where it's going to influence is other teams with players who are in this type of situation. Mm-hmm. Stutzla mm-hmm. a year from, has a year left before he's a restricted free agent. Jason Robertson is up right now. 40 goal scorer last year. And mm-hmm. Dallas is trying to get a deal done with him. And then they look at this, eight years, $8 million. And they're like, what do we do now? Now they're really backed into a corner. So the, the impact of the Senators isn't just on Ottawa. It's on the league. So... I agree with you, and first and foremost, I, I want to say um, good on the Ottawa Senators for spending money on their core, right? Like, locking up their core, believing in what they've got in Matthew Kachuk and Tim Stutzla. Like, I, I think that that is something to be commended here in, in all of this, but that all being said, your point about Jason Robertson, it's it's well taken, but it's not like a deal couldn't have been made already you've had all summer right you've had you've had all summer to lock up jason robertson that should have been mission objective number one for the dallas stars and i get that this that this new contract for tim stutzla is going to make it very very difficult for jim nil to get jason robertson at a number that doesn't impact whether or not the dallas stars have to move out a piece but it's not Tim Stutzla's contract's fault. It's not getting a do- deal done sooner with Jason Robertson that's the real problem. No, here. but bad contracts or contracts that are ahead of their time. Sure, do I get put it. Teams but teams in, in 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 real binds. I mean, Jack Hughes contract. I, I, uh, uh, Stutzla, uh, who just signed for for seven years, uh, and and that one or the uh, Tage Thompson uh, in in mm-hmm. Buffalo. Yeah, like that. Yeah, those are contracts that. Are, are made by teams with a lot of cap space, and I understand why they're doing them because they've got mm-hmm. young talent and they got to lock up the talent and they got to sell tickets to their fan base. And this is why these guys are going to be great in the future, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it, that's for their business. It makes sense, but boy, oh boy, does it put the rest of the league and there's 25 teams in in salary mm-hmm. cap crunches uh, yep. under under an extreme amount of pressure. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you because now for the Dallas Stars to get Jason Robertson done based on these contracts that have been signed over the last seven days, it's going to cost them not just a lot of money, but probably a player, right? Like we we all kind of recognize that. This is a team right now that 
It's got just about $6.2, $6.3 million in available cap space. So it's going to be tricky. But again, if you if you want to get Jason Robertson at a number, you got to get that deal done prior to a bad contract skewing the numbers in the wrong direction for you. That's overly simplistic. Perfect world, yes. So what's Jason Robertson on a bridge deal? A three-year deal, if you sign him. Seven? Seven and a half. So on a long-term deal, what is he? He's a nine million dollar player. Yeah, like if, you, if you're going, if you're going comparative, now. at least yeah, now. comparative to to Stutzla, comparative to Jack uh, Jack Hughes, comparative to Tage Thompson, which you know that's that's a contract we can talk about. But um, yeah, I mean, it starts at a nine for sure, and that is going to put Dallas in a real tough position. Because they're going to have to move somebody out. Now now it's almost a foregone conclusion. Like you said, there's they were doing the balancing act. We'd love to sign them. We don't want to move on somebody out. We, can you give us this number? Now it's it's virtually impossible. Uh, and For everybody else in the Western Conference, they're going, we'd love to feel sorry for you, but <laughs> that helps us if you're going to be moving people around or, or you yeah. have to if you have to get rid of a, a decent player because of the salary cap crunch. Like it's, we we've all been dealing with it forever, uh, so the the chickens come home to roost in in Dallas with this situation, thanks to Buffalo, New Jersey, and Ottawa. <laughs> come on, don't pass the buck so much to them. Like you want to know what really hurts the uh, the Dallas Stars, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben being on the cap for just yeah. about twenty million dollars. But, but here's the thing: it used to be you come off your entry level deal, you mm-hmm. sign a. a Lower number, three for three years, something okay, to that effect. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that, that's gone now. The, the, the Tage Thompson deal mm-hmm. blew everybody out for one year. He, he had one great year, and it was a spectacular yeah. year. Stutzla, I get, is a great talent, but eight right. years out of his entry-level deal, and he's not even at the entry-level uh, expiration yet. Wow. Boy, oh, boy. Well, well I, I mean, listen, if I'm... The Dallas Stars in this pers- like in this situation, I I would rather pay Jason Robertson eight by nine for eight years at nine million dollars at, at at this stage of his career than have a Jason Robertson at thirty three making nine million dollars because he had to get that second contract that was more manageable. Yeah. Like play pay the players, and this is the tr- that I like coming off of an entry level deal. If you are legit, if you're a superstar in this league or you're a star for your team, get paid. Because at least then it eliminates the ability to be overpaid or, or at least it diminishes it to some extent that, the, that a team is going to overpay for you in unrestricted free agency on the back half. We have another contract to tell people about. Kirby Dock has signed and it's not the big money deal that he probably thought he was going to get when he broke into the league, and this is maybe the cautionary tale of why you don't do this. But uh, Kirby Dock signs a bridge deal with the uh, Montreal Canadiens after being acquired uh, this summer, and it's a fair deal, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, like, I, don't, I don't have any issue with Kirby Dock's contract at all, no. Yeah, four years at uh, AAV of 3.3. 
Good, mm-hmm. good, good contract for Kirby. I, I still think he's more offensive than he's shown, but mm-hmm. for uh, a 21 year old player starting with a new team, four years, three million dollars. That's sort of the traditional bridge coming off that kind of contract deal. Yeah, I mean, I hear I hear that point. I, I think that this makes a lot of sense for Kirby Doc. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Montreal Canadiens. As far as the offense goes, we'll see what, you know, picking the brain of Martin St. Louis can do for Kirby Doc and maybe unlocking that offensive potential a little bit. And you know what? Part of the part of the key in a bridge deal is finding yourself in a good spot to put some numbers up to cash in on the next one. And you know maybe Kirby Doc's in a good spot with the Montreal Canadiens and the coaching staff that they have there to maybe unlock a little bit of that. Uh, I'm trying, buddy. I, I I need you for two more picks. Talk for two more picks uh, of one time. Yeah. Just give me two okay. more because I've got two more picks before I before I pick, and then I'm then I'm almost home free in this thing. And Chapman's just over I, there. He's got his hand on his chin, and he's enjoying every minute of the the sweating, suffering Millard. What you know? What's you know? What's amazing about that entire exchange right there is that Darren asked me to talk because he's on the clock, and yeah. then continues to talk continues for about forty five seconds. Yeah, like I, I I can only like you have to help me help you, Darren. Yeah, you understand that? Like I can't do it all. I can't lift all of the things. Um, you know. I do want to circle back to Tage Thompson and that contract, and I'm glad that you brought it up, mainly because I I, I get why, and Chapman, I'm going to want you to chime in here, I get why the Buffalo Sabres want to lock up a guy in Tage Thompson who had a monster year who wants to be there. Like I think that you look at the last year or so, two years, whatever it is, for the Buffalo Sabres, they want to lock up key players that they believe are going to help them get to relevancy that want to be in Buffalo. And I would argue that Tage Thompson fits that mold. And I would also argue that being a part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade that is widely considered one of the worst trades in Buffalo Sabres history, I get that you don't want to move that piece or lose that piece. But you're banking on a guy. You're gambling on a guy whose shooting percentage doubled in a season where he scored 38 goals. And you didn't have to do it now. And that's the thing that that Darren's kind of talking about with the Tim Stutzla contract and the Tage Thompson contract and why it's difficult and it puts a squeeze on Dallas and Jason Robertson. It's that simply the Buffalo Sabres had every right to take 50 games and figure out what Tage Thompson was going to be. Because if you want to stay in Buffalo and you want to be a I mean, part the of the next fifty games this, in, the, this year, the fifty, 50 games this year, fifty games, yeah. yeah, yeah, you take you take fifty games this year to to figure out what Tage Thompson is, because I would venture to guess he's not a perennial thirty goal guy, and you're paying him to be a perennial perennial thirty goal guy, and this is on a team that has bad contracts and a a penchant for giving them out. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I do like the, the, the approach that you're taking, though, whereas you want to pay these young guys up front. It's something that I, I, I hadn't really thought of, but I think it makes sense. But more to the point of Buffalo, like they've got now a young core of guys, Thompson included, Alex Tuck, obviously Owen Power. We, we, we don't know what, what we're going to get from him, but they have that core of, of young players that hopefully it, for, for their sake, that they're able to actually build something with, and you've got you've got guys who who seem committed, guys who want to be there. I mean, 
I guess we'll find out in a couple of years if it was worth it or not. I mean, it, it, it it's certainly a gamble on the part of the Sabres, I would say. Those are your one-timers for this Wednesday, September hmm, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> when the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, he made sure that that introduction was ready. <laughs> Hello, Christopher. Hello, Darren. So I want to get in the conversation you guys were having in the first segment about the Pacific Division. And uh, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Darren's point about the Edmonton Oilers, but I'm also leaning into the point about the Calgary Flames. I feel like the subtraction is... So you're, you're sitting on the fence. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. I, I, I think the Oilers will be the team to beat in the Pacific. And I think there's question marks with Calgary because I feel like the subtraction is greater than what you've added. I mean, you've lost a lot of points. You lost the bite with with Kachuk. And Kadri's coming off a career year. Is he going to have a season similar to what he did last year? I don't know. Huberdeau also coming off a career year. Is he going to have... First time changing teams. Yeah, yeah. That that I mean, for Kadri, it's it's multiple times. But yeah, yeah but for, no, Huberdeau, no, for Huberdeau. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's some question marks. But my second team is one that you guys both overlooked. And that's the LA Kings. I think Los Angeles is going to be that second team in the division. I feel like the addition of Kevin Fiala is really going to help them tremendously. Getting a, a healthy Drew Doughty back, I think that helps them quite a bit as well. So uh, I like LA. I will take that wager all day long. We're not going to put money on it. <laughs> no, we can. We can put. It, we make it a friendly bet. Because I we not make a friendly bet. I know you don't pay up on those toonies when you lose. Can we, so. can we make a friendly bet. We, we can make There's a friendly no bet. Chance yes. LA finishes second in the Pacific. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. No chance. I like. I, I, I like want, that. Now. Hold on. Whoa, hold on. Do you want to soften it a little bit? No, because LA took a massive step forward last year. Mm-hmm. For them to do to finish second would be exceed last year's giant step. There is huge foundational pieces with LA and they're going to be great. But they're really good up front. To do it like, again would be supersized. I I like their blue line. I I, I like Sean yeah, Dersey. I, I like Bjornfoot. I I, I, I Matt Roy. The, I, I think their, they're going to be good. Their blue their blue line is what worries me. Their forwards are as deep as they've ever been. Um but the real question is like Jonathan, if if Cal Peterson doesn't take the job, and you're relying on a season similar for Jonathan Quick, it might get dicey real quick. I like them. I just don't think they're taking that big jump forward. Ah, oh, Chapman's starting fights already. Uh, thanks to Gary Lawless for stopping by, and Brian McCormick. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show. <laughs>